I am Ohiro Oni Esele. Ruminations is the podcast where I discuss matters of life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor who lived from February 4, 1906 until April 9, 1945. As a young boy, he witnessed the First World War from 1914 to 1918. He also saw the beginning of the Second World War, but not its end. He didn't see the end of that war because he had been arrested in 1943, because he stood for something, and he was executed by the Nazis on April 9, 1945, five months before the end of that war, that is the Second World War. By standing and fighting against the Hitler's Nazi regime's euthanasia program and genocidal act against the Jews, Bonhoeffer stood for humanity and for the best potential values of mankind. He actively stood for life, love, freedom, peace, and justice. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, published in 1937, Dietrich Bonhoeffer foresaw and lamented the cheapening and selling of grace, which, of course, is now what we see in today's world. He also stood for the idea that Christians and the Church ought to see themselves as the moral conscience of a society in which injustice was rampant. Certainly, the church has lost its way. But that is not what this podcast is about. It is about the value of standing. Standing for something. I have been thinking of Dietrich Bonhoeffer lately. If I was asked to weigh in with an opinion about his life and the value of his body of work before now, I would most likely have described him simply as a visionary who may have lived way before his time. But for that to be the conclusive commentary on his life would not be doing justice to the memory of such a remarkable man. Bonhoeffer stood for something and was martyred for what he stood for, which was the right of all humans to live without being persecuted and or killed because of their race, ethnicity, or religion. How far have we really come from the time of Bonhoeffer? I really don't know. We live in the same world into which he was born and raised, the same world where he was murdered for standing up against the persecution and killings of fellow humans. Against all odds, he spoke truth to power because he could not bear to be a cheerleader for injustice. So, how far have we really come from the time of Bonhoeffer? Again, I don't know because as I think of the times that we are in, it seems to me that ours is a topsy-topsy world in which the idea of progress is really a mirage. 
So the more it appears that we have made progress in our ability to achieve and show practical demonstrations of love and compassion in our world, the more it seems that things are actually regressing or remaining the same at best. We have mastered the art of beating down people that we dislike. Some for no reason that makes any sense. Yet, no human should have the authority to be judge, jury, and executioner over a fellow man. Religious texts are used to support oppression, stealing from the poor, and casting others as inferior and beneath human. We condemn others not because there is divine instruction to condemn them, but because they do not fit into our prescribed rules of conduct. So we fish out the holy book of whatever religion we practice and twist the words to support our hunger for judgment. When any of us uses the holy book of our religion, any religion, as a cudgel to whip others that we disagree with because we have determined that they are sinners, we become present their persecutors and deny both the humanity of our brothers and sisters and the existence and power of grace. When we do that, we actually suggest by our deeds that others are unworthy of love, liberty, or even life because we are perfect and they are not. If I sound concerned or pessimistic, it is only because I choose reality over baseless optimism. While I perceive of the former as honest, the latter, to my mind, represents nothing more than the acceptance of crumbs thrown down by oppressors who know and expect that the rest of society will be happy to pick up those crumbs and perceive of them as brownies. Now we have mostly become carnival backers for people who use their power and authority as guillotines for dehumanizing and destroying others. Therefore, we allow a few powerful people to pick winners and losers among us, and in that role, determine who should live and who should die, or who should have the opportunities for gainful participation in a prosperous social and political economy, and who shouldn't, or who should have a right to good medical care, affordable housing, and food security, and who shouldn't or which immigrants from what parts of the world should have a right to keep their children, and which immigrants should have their children forcibly taken from them and put in cages where powerful people would not even put their dogs. The same powers determine what countries should sit at the table when major decisions are made even on matters that affect the entire world and what countries should be excluded from the opportunity to determine their own future. But it is not at the macro level where we ought to always focus and either complain or act. It is also, and in fact mostly, at the micro level of society where individuals oppress their neighbors or even people that they do not know. 
the world needs communities of active change agents who understand that we each have a responsibility to be loving and compassionate to one another. Silence in the face of cruelty is not the best antidote for a world that is increasingly riddled with acts of wickedness that are occurring in the homes that we know, in our neighborhoods, our communities, and our nations. We cannot change our world unless we are ready, willing, and able to change ourselves. The problem isn't always that we vocalize support for cruel acts perpetrated by our neighbors, but that we stay silent when we shall speak up. We defend oppressors when we shall be advocating for the oppressed, and in some cases, we rationalize wicked acts by the powerful, either because we are afraid to defend what is right, or because we truly believe that those wicked acts are necessary to maintain the illusions that we hold about our own relevance. Sometimes we remain silent because we believe that our own status and security are best guaranteed when we do not protest the injustice that happens to others. Of course, Times also abound when we stay quiet because we consider the oppressed as the, quote, other. Well, I happen to believe that Thomas Paine was right when he said that, quote, he that will make his own liberty secure must guard even his own enemy from oppression. For if he violates this duty, he establishes a precedent that will reach to himself. End of quote. History is replete with antidotes of oppressors against whom the tides turned even in their own lifetimes. That is ancient history. I know because I have seen that repeated several times even in my own lifetime. Certainly, our world would greatly benefit from individuals and communities that carry with them lights of compassion and courage. While we can sit with bowels full of thoughts and compassion, it takes more than thoughts and compassion to stand from our seats of comfort to accomplish the kinds of changes that positively impact our world in the past, that positively impacted our world in the past, and still do in small doses. It also takes standing up, standing for something. Society stands, still at be- society stands still at best or regresses at the worst when all we do is sit. Nobody's freedom or national independence has ever been attained because people sat. We must all decide to do more than sit because the conveyance of hope demands that we take a stand and then stand up. Robert Kennedy was right when he said, quote, each time a man stands up for an ideal or acts to improve the lot of others or strikes out against injustice, he sends forth a tiny ripple of hope and crossing each other from a million different centers of energy and daring, those ripples build a current that can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. End of quote. 
we fall and our world falls when all we do is sit.